you're listening to a special three-part podcast series from Mr. Porter and Blamo. I'm your host, Jeremy Kirkland. Throughout this series, I'll be inviting some of the industry's biggest authorities to discuss, dissect, and generally nerd out over their favorite subjects. This time, I'm talking with the founders of the Stockholm-based tailoring brand, Saman Amel. How has tailoring evolved in our modern age? People are looking for other things from their tailoring. People don't really have to buy the uniform anymore. Mm. You don't need the navy suit, the gray suit, the white collar and the tie. Formal tailoring is changing. We discuss their minimalist and inviting approach to tailoring, creating color palettes from their local landscape, and how they've interpreted classic menswear for the modern gentleman. Uh, my name is Dag uh, Granat. My name is Saman Amel. And both of you guys are represent Saman Amel, the mm, yes. atelier, the clothing company. First off, thanks for, for coming on and chatting with us. What is each of your guys' role within your company? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think uh, for the past couple of years, we've been holding hands the entire time. Uh, I think it's probably for the past year that we've been seeing uh, our own roles crystallizing in a way, basically. Mm. Yeah. I think that's very true. And I think it's important to keep in one's mind the fact that we started talking about doing this company when we were probably 10 years. Because Salman's parents lived not right next to the first um, football pitch in our municipality or like our commune that had um, artificial uh, grass. Before that, it was only like... Um, this is many, many years ago. Yeah, this Wh- was many years ago. Where is this? Is this in... in Stockholm? Outside of Stockholm. Stockholm it's yeah. a suburb of, of Stockholm. And we were sitting there. And at that point already, because then me and Samuel had known each other for a couple of years. Uh, and we played a lot of soccer. Yeah, that was space. it was like a youth center of sorts. Like people hung out there. Okay. And played football all day. Uh, and I, I was... That was... Samuel already had an idea that, okay, I'm going to have... Um, I'm going to be a football player. Or if that doesn't work for some reason, I mean, you're being very naive when you're young. Um, if that doesn't work out for some reason, I want to be like a fashion designer. I want to make... But not uh, in menswear, though. No, he wants to make dresses. I wanted like to couture. do like haute couture, women's wear. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, I studied uh, fashion and tailoring for four years. Okay. But when I started... At university? Uh, no, no, no. On, what do you call it? It's, uh, uh, high school. High school. Like before university. High school, yeah, exactly, yeah. Interesting. So basically, I wanted to do women's wear. But the idea was basically formulated already when we were playing football at the age of uh, 10. Uh, obviously, it was a very different idea, but that, that, that's what makes it hard. Uh, Did you knew that you were going to work with him? No, no, not at all. No, no, uh, I tricked him into. Yeah, exactly. Salman <laughs> fooled me. <laughs> I, I was, uh, as I, I think I told you before. I, I studied like creative writing, and I had a plan uh, to uh, go into like uh, academy and like work with uh, literature, basically. So, I'm, uh, but that was also a dream I had when we were that young. So it was like two really weird uh, dreams, like. One very excited about fab- like doing um, clothes, and one very excited about like Dostoevsky and Russian literature, <laughs> which was really really weird. Obviously, <laughs> none of us like Salman didn't know anything about fashion, and I didn't know anything about literature. But I know I saw the book the in dream, my bookshelf at, yeah. at home, and like a big fat book that said like the idiot. And I'm like, if I can read that book at some point and understand something from it 
then I'm then I'm smart. Then I know something about then life. You're basically not an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then you're not the idiot. <laughs> Well, just, to, just to get back to your question, sure, I mean, yeah. what, what the roles that we do, it's, I mean, it's very hard because we, we're a small team. We mm-hmm. work very closely. We have our base in Stockholm, but we do travel around the world. We have the showroom in London. We've been traveling for a year now to Korea as well, Seoul. And now in October, we're going to travel to New York as well, setting up a showroom mm-hmm. and doing trunk shows. But I do mostly the measurements, the creative process. And dog is doing basically everything else. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And uh, now we've uh, we've hired um, one of our uh, best friends, uh, Andreas. And Andreas worked for many years for a um, tailor house in uh, Seoul. Mm-hmm. So he was um, now he's also working uh, closely together with Salman with um, uh, more with the product and meeting with clients. So yeah. you guys become fr- you guys are fast friends when you're a young age. Yeah. And. First off, as a side note, I think it's really rare that the idea of who you want to be when you're young actually ends up becoming what you are. Yeah. <laughs> like when I was 10, I, I think, I don't know, I think I wanted to be like an astronaut or yeah. you know, a fireman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not so much. I never had any idea I'd be talking to people about no. clothes. <laughs> no, no, no. I can, I can understand that. I can understand that. When did things actually start to happen? Because... I think earlier when we were talking, you had said that you came to Pituomo mm. at what age? I was 17 and dog was 18. Yeah. And why were you coming? Just At this point, uh, after finishing like high school, mm-hmm. um, we both worked at uh, different um, um, fashion companies Swedish in companies, Stockholm. basically. Okay. And Salman worked with uh, Made to Measure and I worked with Design. And uh, it's very unclear until this day why we were able to have these jobs when we were like <laughs> fresh out of... Yeah. But, but uh, we were in the right place in the right time, I suppose. Happy accidents. And uh, at that point, we did... Um, we started to... Uh, because Salman did a lot of uh, stuff um, when he was in school. He did like an um, M65 biker jacket that he made for me and like a suit. And um, people, people saw that and thought it was very fun to see somebody who did uh, very classical stuff uh, as uh, the other guys in your exactly, class were doing yeah, yeah. something much and more avant-garde. Uh, yeah. to and to extent. capitalize on that, we started to do ties, basically. Mm, mm. Because obviously I could make... I could uh, cut suitings make them, sew them, but I mean, in four years, you're not going to get that good at it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. what we do now with the, with the tailors working in here in Italy, they've been doing this for 34 years. It's yeah. a totally different experience. Yeah. Right. So, so Salman, Salman's M65 jacket was more, more homemade than handmade. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so basically, uh, we started doing uh, bespoke ties and yeah. bespoke shirts. So we, we, did, made, uh, we did uh, the ties for for a couple of years, which basically gave us like a platform to stand on. Uh, Foundation of a kind. Yeah, so we started getting some reputation and then we started going to Italy first to source fabrics, but also to meet with uh, suppliers and learn more from uh, from the people in Italy. Um, And we met a lot of people who helped us uh, along that road uh, as well. That we are super grateful for. A lot of them are, I mean, at PT now as well. Yeah, and are Uh, great friends. uh, Paved the way for us when we were so young. Yeah. Because, I mean, when we came to Italy the first time around, to be honest, nobody, um, how do you say, took us so seriously. Mm. Obviously, 
18 years old. Hey guys, we want to do custom made tailoring. Yeah. You want to work with us? I think we don't, we, we don't we, have any money, but we, <laughs> maybe we can sort something out. I think we took ourselves quite seriously. Yeah, but that did, was yeah. uh, the only two people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but ob- yeah, obviously a few of the families that we are working with mm. now, we've been working with mm. from the beginning. Mm. And they took a, a risk of starting mm. to work with us when we mm. were so young. And I think uh, we were... I'm, I'm actually... Having been working in the traditional uh, fashion industry, seeing how a company, a big company, builds builds collections, works uh, in that uh, way, we wanted. We felt that our starting point would always be the the custom made process, basically. Why is that? Uh, I think there's a lot of things that. Um, to a great extent, has gone missing in uh, what uh, one uh, today would uh, refer to as um, luxury or a premium segment. I think two of the things that you need to have into the recipe if you want to go from good to extraordinary is time and dialogue. And I think both of these things are uh, being lost to a great extent. Being able to... uh, meet a person face to face and um, understand uh, that person that's something very special i think and also something that's uh, quite necessary if you want to build a very long relationship with that person and earn that person's uh, respect trust, and yeah. trust yeah mm. and the other way around as well for them trusting us and we trusting them yeah course. absolutely absolutely uh, and time i think we always had um, a sense within ourselves that uh, things are moving very very quickly and in order to create something that's uh, lasting uh, in terms of uh, aesthetic but also that feels um, that gives you uh, a sense of um, root yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, you need to slow slow things down. Uh, I mean, that, for us, that's true luxury, basically. That's yeah. why we have by appointment. Mm. That's why we're making everything by hand. Mm. That's why making a suit takes two months. Mm. Yeah, you can't speed it up. If you do, mm. you're gonna c- basically cut corners. Mm. And obviously, you can do that as well. But that's not what we want to do, basically. Mm. Well, it, it's interesting because in a a day and age where it feels like now a lot of people associate luxury with speed. Mm. But for you guys, true luxury is that it, it takes time. Like that, that's what, you know, that's what makes it and, and the dialogue and the relationship that you're able to create with that customer. How much of your guys' Scandinavian background is incorporated into? Because oh. there's a lot of people when they think of Scandinavian design, uh, they think of minimalism, you know, beauty, mm. elegance, and a lot of your clothing, when I see it, 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 it kind of ticks those boxes for mm. me. But how, how much of that do you think was shaped th- by your background? I think firstly, like the whole thing of Scandinavian design, um, we have had that obviously in our background and we have obviously had it in the back of our minds, mm-hmm. but it's now for maybe for the past couple of years I've been really recognizing where this is coming from mm. because we can easily see in our mood boards or in the the places we want to shoot, that the mm-hmm. colors that we've always been attracted by mm. has been there. Mm. We, just that we haven't been able to maybe uh, put a name on it. Mm. It was firstly when we started to travel to London, actually, mm. where people would be like, oh yeah, this color palette, the off-white, mm. the beige, the taupe, it's very Scandinavian. Mm. And for us, it's been super clear from the beginning that we love these colors, and we've been trying to develop that over time. Mm. 
Uh, Interesting. But I think it's only it's a very classic thing. It's only when you leave your um, geographical uh, uh, viewpoint where you start seeing where you came from. I mean, if you step. It's like when you're uh, hitting the ball in tennis. You need to step back to create space for yourself and hit the ball properly. And it's hard to hit the ball if it's coming right towards you. And it's only when you leave your your geographical zone you start to see, okay, what what's happening over here is obviously influenced from, from our background. And th- this is definitely not something that we have uh, written down anywhere. But the more we think about it, we actually had this discussion last year i think and we started to think about okay what is the palette like what is what is the colors why do we like this why do we like these textures yeah why don't we work with patterns so much Mm. how come yeah Yeah. why are we very subtle we did a lot of uh, field trips to scandinavian um, beaches around uh, sweden and uh, some in finland the finnish archipelago uh, as well like pre um, like early early spring Mm-hmm. Uh, when when uh, and when the, autumn basically exactly yeah. when the when the grass isn't totally green it's a little grayish green beige brown and it's Taupe. some yeah mm. and there you have the whole palette <laughs> there's a bit of snow left exactly off some white. snow some snow the is beach, there which yeah. is very cold beige mm. obviously we talk a lot about cold colors and warm mm. colors mm. we particularly like the colder ones mm. especially in, in Urban environments such as Stockholm or London and yeah. New York, uh, tones that matching with the environment. Mm. Yeah, uh, we talk a lot about stealth. We want to create things <laughs> that doesn't really is eye catching. Yeah. Stealth, yeah, stealth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Going under the radar. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can get into that later on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, no, if we're gonna go down that road, it's, it's gonna, gonna take a lot of magic. <laughs> um. Well, it's something that, like, I think for me and and other, you know, people. Um, the clothing that you guys display is is very casual and and elegant at the same time. So when a lot of people think tailored clothing, and you know this is something that we saw years ago with tailored clothing, it was it was more about an extremely like put together look. Yeah. So shirt and a tie. Yeah, shirt, tie, pocket square, lots of accessories, mm. which is great, and it's still a fantastic look. But yeah. your approach to it has been very inviting it's very casual i mean you know as we're speaking you don't have a tie on it's Mm. your shirt's a little bit open you have a a very beautiful black knit polo shirt on mr porter which is yeah which is also available (laughs) on mr porter plug (laughs) shout out (laughs) (laughs) but you know and and how you put that together in tailoring i Mm. think you know for me as someone who i would say i drifted away from tailoring a little bit but seeing how you put your guys looks together mm. has really made me want to go back in my closet and find out how can I emulate some of that. Mm. That's um, amazing. Yeah. yeah I'm very it, happy to hear that. Yeah. But how, how did that, you know, the, this approach that's a little bit more casual, I've, how did that come Okay, about? So firstly, just to be super clear and transparent, we do sell navy gray suits. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we do that as well, but there's a very clear trend that we can at least see with our clients is that uh, with the whole situation going on, and former working people don't really have to buy the uniform anymore. Mm. You don't need the navy suit, the gray suit, the white collar and the tie, basically. Right. So the whole thing of formal tailoring is changing. Mm. But the, I mean, there is a lot of talking about 
me and dog talk a lot about this as well like okay this is the suiting gonna die is the suit the formal suit is gonna die and i think we are seeing a totally different thing mm. growing now and obviously the, the casual side is something that we do a lot mm-hmm. but we've been seeing for the past two years we've been doing a lot of formal tailoring on mm. our other side yeah which we call evening wear yeah interesting yeah i, I think uh, like to a certain extent i mean you've heard a lot about the death of the suit and i'm i think what people are referring to are more that the function that suiting had to a great extent is is changing. Uh, maybe not dying, but but changing a lot. And people are looking for other things from their tailoring. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the tailoring needs to be very informal, but it needs to be made uh, relevant in a new context. And uh, And this is something that I think or at least I hope uh, we provide uh, yeah. that. And yeah, and obviously we talk a lot about creating tailoring that can be put in different rooms mm. so if you're coming from work mm. you're going on a, a drink with your friends mm. and afterwards you're going out with your girlfriend or whatever mm. we need to create things that will fit in mm. different rooms mm. at a different time but also on the same time mm. exactly very... because if you're if you're, you're going to a restaurant like a fine restaurant in london or whatever the person next to you might very well be wearing a ripped jeans and a stained uh, t-shirt so in that sense it's not like okay i'm going to a fine restaurant need to have a good suit Uh, you could have a good suit but you will feel more comfortable wearing it uh, if it's um, worn in a way that doesn't alienate that guy with the stained t-shirt because you don't need to do that right Uh, those people can exist in the same room and those looks can exist in the same wardrobe as Mm. well it doesn't need to be a conflict a lot of your silhouette feels like there's a, a strong understanding of what fit is. You know, the, yeah. the trousers are of a, a higher rise. The knitwear is a little bit shorter. Yeah. Wh- where did, where did that, that fit concept come from? Well, there's, I think there's a lot of ways to see at that. Firstly, sure. we've been trying, we've been navigating through this for many, many years. When we started off, the fit wasn't obviously what it is now. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, I can only recall to two things that my teacher used to say when I studied tailoring. Is first, uh, first is that it's all about proportions, finding the right proportions. So it'll look different for a different yes. person. Mm. So basically for you, maybe high trousers is super good. For mm-hmm. me, maybe it's not. Okay, then we know that. Secondly, tailoring is about creating illusions. So okay, you have narrow shoulders and a big hip. Okay, maybe we should do an extended shoulder on you. Or maybe we should lower down the bottoming placement. So these are the two things that I got from actually starting tailoring. So the, the, the brain is very smart, but the eyes can easily fool Illusions the, the brain. Are, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the other thing is that, obviously, we are sourcing inspiration from many, many places. Obviously, we used to look a lot at menswear tailoring over for the past years, but we've been also sourcing such as uh, Phoebe Philo for Celine. Great inspiration in form of working with volume, working with texture, uh, working with space around the body. Obviously, tailoring is about creating shape, mm-hmm. but it could also be about creating silhouettes that are very comfortable, mm. looking slim, but they're actually not so slim. That's also one of these things that I think is very, very interesting. Like creating a slim silhouette is not about taking out stuff. It's about adding volume in the right places, making other parts look more slim. There's a very good word for that in Japanese, which is called ma. MA, and that's basically negative space. So the space in between 
the body. The space in between the stuff. That's what's going to create. Uh, that's what's going to spark your interest. And this is something you see all over the Japanese uh, um, way of dress, traditional way of dressing. The the overlapping fabrics. It's covering. It's creating a space between the body and the fabric that presents the world. And having something that exposes the body without the negative space in between makes it uninteresting. And I very much uh, relate uh, to that. So adding space is uh, very important, I think. And sometimes, obviously, you need to remove things as well Mm. to get a nice silhouette. Mm. Uh, But obviously, as you're hearing us saying this now, we're sourcing inspiration from many, many different... Mm. Yeah, places. I mean, sometimes when I look at uh, Salman, has a much broader interest in design than I do. I mean, design, looking at design as a as a whole. So sure. Salman did uh, arch- like pre architecture school, like he started, did for a year, like practic- uh, practicing architecture. That was like two two years ago. So that was recently. I was like, is, <laughs> are we going to be an architecture firm or <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I was a little bit stressed out, but that's that's and that's pretty cool. I'm actually drawing I'm, the interior for our next showroom. So yeah, are you? Yeah, and that's wow. that's pretty that's pretty cool. But for me, it's it's more an, a question of like getting inspiration. It's like okay, we have um, for example, we have a client who is um, who is a film professor, and he always sends me like um, there's a, a film club in in Sweden called Cinemateket, and you go there to see excellent films. And he's like, okay, you need to see all of these uh, Yasuhiro Uzo films, like, okay, 20s Japanese uh, filmmaker. And you go and see the film, and it's like, why? Why are we even bothering trying to make something? Because these are like regular guys going to work in the 20s. And I'm like, they're, everybody looks better than, <laughs> than us, and they're, they aren't even trying. Uh, but that's that's uh, one place where you where you can see, like, okay, that's uh, that that works. Uh, and I think that's something almost incremental in, in most people. When you see an object uh, that's made well or designed well, you don't need necessarily to have the vocabulary or the language to describe why, okay, why is this cup uh, well made? But when you see it and when you touch it, uh, you instantly understand it. You, you understand its function and why it's been made like that. And everybody, you can't, you can't put words on it. Exactly. For me, for example, I can appreciate a good chair, but I'm not going to be obsessive about. Okay, yeah, it's because the angle of the leg meets the back like this. And people, as a rule, I think uh, um, can can very much relate to to strong design without thinking about it. Uh, I think that's a very beautiful thing in terms of design and and trying to understand it. A lot of times, uh, I think many people don't know why they like something. Yeah. But it, it appeals to them, exactly, which yeah. is fine. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. Yeah, uh, in in terms of like your clients and the people that are coming on board, um, earlier you had said that initially they were coming because of they were interested in menswear, interested in suiting, and then you said a lot of the new ones that were coming on had different interests or backgrounds. Or mm-hmm. could you could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Uh, sure. Uh, so basically, obviously, when we started the. Uh, the company and we started doing customer tailoring uh, a natural way of us marketing was being at pity mm-hmm. uh, talking with people in the industry uh, working with uh, people in the industry that are have a blog or working for a magazine who does a, does a take on menswear basically so it was a very natural way of doing marketing and those 
clients obviously found a way to us as well through research on forums, on Instagram, on social media, mm-hmm. or many, other places, basically. And those clients are always the first clients for us. And which is fine because they come to us because they love the aesthetic, they've done the research, they love what we do, and they're huge supporters. Uh, but those in return are going to have their things on, they're going to go to a dinner, or they're going to go having a lunch with a colleague, and going to say, oh yeah, you should go to these guys because they would just sort it out for you. And that's like the second va- wave of clients coming in, basically. So these clients don't, they would probably not find us because they're not so interested in menswear, but they're interested in other things. Mm. I, think, I think it relates back to what we were saying uh, recently. Like, the first wave of clients that we have are very articulate about why they like what we do. They can be mm. like, okay, yeah, you have a very soft um, uh, Neapolitan shoulder, but it's not too far out there. And they're like, yeah, and you have a floating canvas and that's attached by hand, right? Yeah, and that increases the, the flexibility and how it feels. You know, they have the language for it and that's fantastic. But the client we are seeing now more and more, which obviously... Uh, as the company is growing, that client is becoming more and more a bigger part of what we're doing. They uh, they see what we do and they like it, but they don't have uh, that uh, language describing why they like it. But they are open to to initiate a discussion with us. So, okay, I'm seeing what you do and I like it. Can you tell me why I like it? Yeah. <laughs> and can you tell me how 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 can i incorporate that in what i already own and how can i think about my body how can i feel more comfortable in my body uh, and find a silhouette that works for me to, you know to go a little bit deeper on that what what are the things that you end up telling them cuz like i think you know say someone sees your stuff on on mr porter mm. or they see photos of you and they're like well wait i mean they're they're wearing like you know a, a nice sort of open collar knit yeah like, wh- where would be the steps that people would start? Or is that different for each person? Suit. Suit. Always. I Always mean, suit, uh, if, yeah. if they're in that ballpark. But ob- a classic suit, a good suit to find the silhouette. And based on the suit, you can then move in many different uh, directions. But if you have the basis of a good jacket and trouser that works nicely together, that's a good starting point, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And... I mean, when we're making a suit, we're creating two patterns. Mm. We're creating a pattern for a jacket and for a pair of trousers. Mm. Right. And then based on that pattern, you can, uh, for example, we make a lot of trousers with a much wider silhouette. But that silhouette is Which from... Which is also Mr. Porter. Yeah. <laughs> from <laughs> from uh, like below, below the ass, basically. That's where it's starting to drape. The, the whole seat and waist, that whole thing is going to be the same as the trouser we made for the suit. Uh. But the look is going to be totally different. So you create like a base fit. And then if the client wants, okay, I want to make a sloppy double-breasted jacket that's like a little bit uh, oversized maybe. Yeah, then we're going to look at the fit we did for the suit, which is like, okay, this is, this is your fit. And then we're going to look at that and create something uh, that has a totally different uh, appeal to it. Uh, but it's still going yeah. to be based on that yeah. uh, form. So of we suit, basically, basically do product development together in front of the client. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we're doing, actually. Instead Every of, day, uh, 10 times a day. Yeah, and that's <laughs> where, that's, if, if like reverting back to what, <laughs> what difference my assignments in, the, in our atelier from Salman, that's where Salman is... Uh, way ahead of me and ahead of Andreas and ahead of anybody else I know because he understands uh, 
which direction we're going to take with the client. And he like can sketch that up very, very quickly. I mean, for me, if I'm having like 500 fabrics in front of me, it's going to be hard to navigate, even for me. And I've been working with it for many, many years. But Saman sees the direction very clearly uh, and uh, how that is going to... How, how can we implement this direction for this person sitting on the other side of the table who at this point probably doesn't know anything about what's in front of him? But he, uh, hopefully, he's trusting us, and hopefully, yeah, we're going hopefully, to make. Yeah. We're not going to make bad stuff for him. Exactly. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that whole idea that Dog just explained is exactly the same way we did the Mr. Porter collection, basically. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I I think many people, including myself, definitely see uh, Simon Amel as like the the new generation and new approach for the modern age of of what tailoring can be. This this mm. relaxed. It's transitional, mm. like you were saying. It's not compartmentalized. In which this is my my mm. going out clothes, yeah. air quote, or mm. my work clothes. This yeah. is these are my clothes, and this yes. this represents who I am yeah. and how I can be. You know, at the workspace, outside, you know, hanging yeah. out with friends, and yeah. and all these aspects of my life. Yeah. I think you put it extremely nicely. I, 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 I'm going to steal that. This is my, this is my, this wardrobe, this is my, this wardrobe. Remember, this is my wardrobe. Yeah. It's easy. I mean, it's, uh, I've never, I mean, working in with clothes for a long time, I never had a smaller wardrobe than I have now. And it's like, it's easy to get dressed and fun. Like, uh, I really enjoy it. Buying less but better. I think a lot of people are like, oof, they really want to, to do that and be able to say to themselves and to others like, okay, I'm, I'm buying this. I'm buying these shoes that are expensive, but uh, maybe I buy a little bit less. But, but a lot of people that are um, interested in that whole um, concept are, are merely interested in buying good stuff. And that's beautiful, but they can feel a little bit restricted by, by having to buy less. But I think at a certain point, if you find a good direction for yourself and your wardrobe, you're not going to be restricted by that. You're going to be comfortable and, uh, and happy that you, that you find uh, that direction. If that makes sense, I'm not sure. No, no, it does. Uh, uh, that was, that's, that's really beautiful. I think that's, uh, that's exciting. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much for chatting. This, this was really you. awesome. Thanks thank again. you very much, thank Jeremy. You. You've been listening to a special three-part podcast series from Mr. Porter and Blamo. This episode was produced in collaboration with Mr. Porter and Blamo Media. We are edited by Brendan Finn. Special thanks to the Mr. Porter editorial team and Jeremy Langmead. If you like this show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. See you soon.